Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday. It's a stupendous Saturday if you're a fan of the fight game. Because guess what? You've got UFC 274. You've also got a big fight with Canelo Alvarez taking on Dimitri Bilov. That should be a banger of a fight. And to talk about that and so much more, I got to bring on our good friend, we've had him on many times in the past. At this time around, is no different. Heading into a big fight weekend, UFC 274, a little conversation, and also talk about some of the controversy that's happened over the last 24 hours before the fights even got started. We got to bring on our good friend John Eric Poli, my MMA news. John, how's it going? Hey, man, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. It's such a great weekend, not only to be a fight fan, like you said there with those big fights, but just if you're a sports fan in general, because obviously we have Kentucky Derby, we have baseball games, we have the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, what a great, great weekend it's going to be. It's going to be an absolutely outstanding weekend, John. And I think, to say the least, what's going to be going down with USC 274 and I'll go ahead and, and break a little kayfabe here, if you will, and, and break down what what's happened here. We actually taped this moments before the weigh-ins went down, the, the unofficial, the official weigh-ins, not the stuff that you see going on, the ceremonial weigh-ins. We wound up taping this and wound up finding out no more than probably 30 minutes later after we wrapped up the interview, Charles Oliveira missed weight, meaning he is going to be stripped of the lightweight championship, he is going to officially no—he's no longer the champion officially. But if Gaethje wins tomorrow tonight, I should say, you have that go down with Justin Gaethje could be the next UFC lightweight champion if he pulls off the win over Oliveira. If Oliveira wins, it's still vacated, and Dana White's got some decisions to make. Yeah, so this whole entire thing is crazy in itself. Um, so. I guess before we get into the whole bulk of the Charles Oliveira not making weight controversy, we'll kind of just break down a little bit of what, what you said there. Um, yeah, so obviously uh, we know Charles Oliveira did not make weight, and it was crazy because, like you said, we recorded this, uh, and I was actually walking into work at my uh, second job, and I'm just walking through the doors. So he texts me, oh, boy, Oliveira missed weight. I'm like, oh, God, you had to be kidding me. And, the texts start coming through, and uh, yeah, so uh, the reason why this fight is technically still going on, even though Oliveira did not make weight and he has now been stripped of the title, um, not another fighter weighed in at 155. We had Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, they weighed in, uh, one of them weighed in at 156, one weighed at 155.5. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone was at 155.5 as well, so... All those guys technically ineligible to fight for the title, so that's how we ended up still having this main event with uh, with those two guys. But like you said, there obviously uh, Justin Gaethje is the only one eligible to win the title. Um, obviously, I imagine Gaethje was probably going to be the hometown favorite going in there, uh, being that it's in in Arizona. That's where he's uh, from. There, I can only imagine that. I know the fans aren't going to be too happy with the whole Oliveira controversy and. Uh, if Oliveira is to still get the win and this title's vacant, it causes a big mess in the in the lightweight division. It's a division that is so crowded and so deep and has so many great contenders in it that the last thing this division needs right now is a logjam. 
Well, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. Talking right now with John Eric Poli, my MMA news. And it's without a doubt, probably one of the more controversial things to pop up over the last 24 hours. Is this going down? But before we get to the actual fight itself, I want to talk about the the lightweight division. You talk about it being extremely stacked. And let's play the hypothetical game. I know this isn't the Marvel miniseries What If on Disney+. Plus. This is real life. But hypothetically, if we see Charles Oliveira get the win over Gates G tonight, how do they determine who is going to be in this like championship setup? Do we wind up seeing Dustin Poirier kind of backdoor his way into another title shot? Because right now, according to the UFC lightweight rankings, he's tied for first alongside Justin Gaethje. You've got Islam Makachev being third ranked, Benil Darouche is also in that mix. What happens after 274 if we do see Charles Oliveira win tonight? Or, yeah, win tonight. Well, here's the thing that's crazy with all this, too, which I'm sure there's going to be some controversy, and Dana White's going to have some decisions to make curious to see what his take's going to be here before we kind of get into who would be next if he wins. And that's I didn't realize this part of it with the way. And so I knew there was a digital scale in the back room and the fighters do step on that first before going out. Uh, what I didn't realize, so it was funny. First I saw a tweet, right? So MMA Twitter coming in clutch here. Ben Aspen actually said, well, what did all of their way in the bath? Because the digital scale back there is a lot better than those old school doctor scales that they, they step on. And then I saw Casey O'Neill came out and she was set talking. She went into pretty good, uh, detail with it and was saying how that the fighters actually need to step on the scale in their hotel in front of officials, go to the arena, step on the digital scale in the back in front of officials, then go out for what we all see on video. So technically, apparently, again, story still developing uh, as we're recording this, uh, but apparently... The two digital scales that Charles Oliveira stepped on both had him at, in at 155 on the dot, making him eligible to compete. The scale where we saw in video, the old school doctor scale, where the guy is moving the levers back and forth there, had him at 155.5. And I know from Casey O'Neill's tweet, she said that typically that ends up being the case that that scale is about 0.5 pounds heavier than what the digital scales show. So... You know, that's, I think, the big question, Mark, here is if Charles Oliveira does win and you have this, that he did step on these digital scales, that adds a lot to the story as to where we kind of go from here. Um, It's crazy. Obviously, it it goes, each state kind of has their bodying government officials sanctioning the event. So, obviously... You know, they're, what, they made the ruling that he was over. But Dana White in the past, if you remember, I remember there was a time that um, when uh, Habib had fought Ally Aquinta, there was a whole sequence. We won't get into the, the mix of that just to shorten this up a little bit here. But Ally Aquinta weighed in at 155.2. The commission said, well, you're overweight. But he was said, hey, I weighed in my underwear. My underwear weighs 0.2 pounds. If I was full nude and weighed in, I'd be 155 on the dot. Dana White, okay, if Al would have beaten Habib, he would have given him the lightweight strap. So I don't know what we're going to see with that. As far as a future matchup, if Charles does win, if Dana White is okay with what we just said because he weighed in on two other scales that had him at 155, 
I think Charles Oliveira is still one half of your future lightweight contendership if he's to get the victory here. As for who he'd fight, Dustin Poirier makes sense. I know he's supposed to try to get a fight in here as long as he wants to keep, stay at 155. But, I mean, yeah, real proud of the division. So, I mean, really, really in this division, you could put contender one through probably nine in the mix, and it makes sense. Oh, no, I think it's one of the most stacked divisions in all of the UFC. And we talked about you know, one of the other fights going down in the lightweight division has to be Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, two guys that I think could make a really strong case. Because I think, in all honesty, obviously we are airing here in Louisiana. We love Dustin Poirier, great guy, Lafayette native, born and raised. I feel like if Michael Chandler wins here against Tony Ferguson, he kind of moves up towards that front of the line. He's been making a big impact in the world of the UFC since jumping over from the rival promotion. He's been able to really up his game, and I want to see how we could kind of fare in a UFC title match for the for the undisputed title. Yeah, so obviously Michael Chandler did have the one crack at the undisputed title. He lost to him and uh, Charles Oliveira fought for the um, undisputed title, and Oliveira got the jump on him there. And, that's what makes actually so a few things here. So what makes this matchup with Chandler and Ferguson so interesting is the fact that when you look at their body of work, uh, so we'll start with Michael Chandler first. He comes in, beats Dan Hooker first fight. His next two fights he loses, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, both guys uh, fighting in the main event here. Uh, then we look at Tony Ferguson. Obviously, he loses to Justin Gaethje. He had a loss to Benio Darius in there. Uh, Darius is obviously one of the top guys. He's right in this whole title mix, too. He's uh, at least supposed to have some business with Islam Makhlachev coming up here, which is a major fight. Both of those, the winner of that, could uh, obviously get in the title mix here, too, as well. Um, but anyway, Tony Ferguson also then lost. So Gaethje, uh, Darius, and Charles Oliveira. So even though uh, Gaethje, or I'm sorry, even though Chandler and Ferguson are some losing skits, losing skits, the great guys, top of the division, obviously. So Winner of that one really propels uh, themselves right up there. And, um, you know, just looking at it, here's something to think about, too. I know we talked about if Oliveira wins, does uh, Poirier get himself in, into the mix there? Well, how about if Justin Gaethje wins? Obviously, he becomes the undisputed champion. Dustin Poirier has a win over Justin Gaethje. Makes that all more compelling. And, you know, we see here, as I'm talking about this and playing all these scenarios out, there's so many different ways the UFC matchmakers could uh, to go to, could go with this division. And uh, obviously, that's going to be one hell of a meeting to sit down and have with Dana White and the matchmakers to see who kind of goes forward from here after this whole entire crazy mess that we're in right now. Talk right now with John Eric Poli, my MMA news. It's going to be a hectic next 24 to 48 hours for one Dana White to kind of start making decisions because fight cards are starting to be filled left, right, and sideways, especially with uh, International Fight Week coming down the pike. But this is a stacked card, especially the main. You've got Thug Rose defending her Women's Strawweight Championship against Carla Esparza. Last I checked, that car that fight did not get called it, there was no weight issues there, so I think we're still we're we're in we're in the clear with at least one title being defended. I think it's one of the most dominant women fighters in the entire UFC. It's between her, and I think we can all agree the other big main event for the next show, two seventy five. I think we have to talk about you know Valentina Shevchenko and Thug Rose probably being the two biggest women fighters, which is the perfect opportunity to have this to start bringing women's MMA to that level. 
that I think many wished it was back when you had Ronda Rousey. Uh, it, it's getting back to that point whenever Ronda Rousey was at her peak. Yeah, so obviously, all right, we know that Ronda kind of put women's MMA on the map. Um, in terms of talent for a lot of it, when Ronda was running through it, I don't know if it's as deep as it is now, which means if you're a woman and you climb to the top of the mountain now and you're the champion, I mean, you not to say that people didn't earn it hard back then, I mean, it's imagination, that's not what I'm saying, but I mean, it's it, it's really something now, especially that strawweight division too that Rose is ruling, o- uh, ruling over, that's like so, so, like we're talking about deep with the, the lightweight division, same thing with that strawweight division as well too, it's a very, very deep division as well and uh you know i think you kind of look at like where did things go from here well first off obviously with rose this is a rematch and carla esparza does have a win over rose not that was so many years ago so many things have changed and a rose i believe is uh, a pretty big betting favorite if i'm not mistaken at the top of my head and rightfully so and i would think you kind of if you're going to start looking ahead you would assume rose w- would win here but um yeah, you know, you think going forward, uh, you know, you try to play matchmaker here. I think if you're Rose Nami Yunus, you, your contenders are all kind of right in the mix going forward here. And you have a couple big ones. Obviously, you have uh, Yoani and Jacek and Zhang Wei Li rematching at UFC 275. I know Rose has wins over those two. The rematches above those little controversial. I know Yoani and Jacek had a messed up face in her rematch with Rose, but oddly enough, Joanna outstruck Rose in every single round of that fight. The scorecards were real wacky for that one, too. If you actually go back and watch that one, you would see it. That fight's a lot closer when people actually remember. And then, of course, Wei Li Zhang. We just saw that one recently. I thought she beat Rose that night. A lot of other people thought she beat Rose that night. So uh, you have those guys. Obviously, Jessica Andrade, who has a win over Rose, is still in the mix there. Marina Rodriguez making a big... uh, big thing there so obviously that's kind of the premier division right now in women's mixed martial arts so i imagine um you know rose's next matchup is kind of in that one and none of those fights are guaranteed for her to get a victory um as far as valentina yeah i mean she's all you want to see in a fight she has to be if i had to pick the most technical fighter in all of the ufc male or female it has to be valentina shevchenko her technique is always on point it's incredible she she'll freaking spin around do some type of weird kick and she's all of a sudden right back in the same position there it's incredible to watch what uh what she does with herself there but uh I, what i would like to see with valentina though i want to see her move up actually and and try to get a bubble champ status and that's something that's kind of been on the table for some time now but uh i think now's the time to do that because i don't think you want to see a rose nami Yunus valentina fight for a few reasons number one they're friends they've made it pretty clear in the past that no matter how many times they keep winning and defending they don't want to fight each other. Like the UFC would really have to offer them something huge to do that. And uh, not only that too, but uh, I, I, I don't think Rose at, at flyweight is the biggest contender. I think she usually weighs somewhere around 125, 130 naturally. So she should be a little, little undersized there. I got one more for you before I let you go, brother. And I think we need to kind of look at it. The opening fight on this main card, it's being built. And I love the fact that Dana White put it this way. This is loser packs up and rides off into the sunset. Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lousen. And it just reminds me so much of the old school Mid-South loser leaves town match. That's what I'm going to coin this. Another lightweight match. Definitely a big highlight seeing Cowboy out there maybe making his last rodeo against somebody like Joe Lawson. It could be a huge fight for him and his future. 
in this, as I'm going to call it, loser leaves town match. I, I love that analogy so much. Like it kind of reminds me of that old, like that WWE vibe, right? Loser must retire. It's kind of kind of how we feel here, and it seems like that's kind of the the way that they're kind of going with this whole entire thing. And first off, I mean, kudos to Dana White here. I know he hasn't get and people like to give Dana a hard time, but like he's really looking out for the best interests with a lot of these guys, and I, I think it's pretty clear to see that that you know their best days are indeed behind them there and you don't want to see anybody take unnecessary punishment in this sport and i mean we've seen a box and like in all reality mma is still kind of like a lot of these guys might be the guinea pigs for how this goes kind of later on like whereas boxing we know that there's tons of guys that get into their late 50s early 60s and they're punch drunk and a little little crazy in the head there so um but yeah no that's kind of how this vibe is it's, it's a little cool to see we don't really see that too much in uh in the real world it's more of a pro wrestling thing where loser must retire but uh what I'm curious to see, I know we're saying that the loser is probably going to walk away here. How about the winner, though? I know, obviously, these guys don't want to see it be the last fight. They want to keep going. But uh, the big thing with this is it's uh, it's a pay-per-view event. Obviously, we know as much as COVID seems to be behind us and knock on wood is behind us, most of these events are still taking place in the UFC Apex. The Apex, of course, what, 30 fans, something like that. There's not a lot of fans in attendance. This is going to be full sold out arena that big positive vibe and i mean going out as a loser is never fun so how about the winner does the winner pull a shocking move and go out on top having their retirement fight in front of a sold out arena i don't know if that will happen but uh you know there's a very good possibility that we're uh, seeing this be their last and also i mean speaking of uh, something along these lines. Now Shogun Hua, who's also fighting on the main card against Ovin St. Preux, he's made it clear that he's almost done two. He only has about two fights left in him, and he plans on getting about two more in. So he's obviously a great guy, a former champion too, and it's great that we get to see him compete for one of the final times ever as well. It's going to be an amazing UFC 274. Didn't have enough time to kind of get to the brass tacks of a phenomenal, you know, boxing match later on tonight with uh, Canelo Alvarez and Dimitri Bivol, but I'm sure we'll talk some more boxing down the road. John, appreciate you coming aboard the show. We'll talk to you down the road and enjoy all the fights this weekend. Yeah, man, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having me on again. And, uh, man, this is a, <laughs> this is one of the crazier one, the ones that we've done here with uh, somebody missing weight, the controversy behind it. It's, uh, it's a crazy <laughs> time to be alive, that's yep. for sure. Oh, that's an understatement. Appreciate it, brother. All right. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you. All right, John Eric Pola, I got to take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we got Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast and Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network. He's coming on to talk about the big signing of Tyron Matthew. The Honey Badger is back home. We're back after this on 1037 The Game. Start over. Three, two, one. We're back after this right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 